Manifesting Brilliance is about bringing forward the light that already shines deep within you. It's about empowering yourself to be the person that your source is calling you to be. You are already perfect, whole, and complete. Now is the time to claim and step into your divine power and purpose. There is nothing your holiness cannot do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Jerome M. Hoff, and it's my pleasure and my honor to welcome you to this conversation today. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I record from my home in Palm Springs. And so if you hear any background noises or uh, any sounds from my neighborhood or my home, uh, I hope you'll forgive those. This, this is a very grassroots, uh, low-tech podcast, um, which uh, means that there might be mistakes and it also means that anybody can podcast. So if you have an idea uh, that you want to put out into the world, I highly recommend you figure out a way to record a podcast. Um, I'm really pleased today to be welcoming a guest to the podcast. Um, my friend Ian Bly is uh, joining me and um, he will be sharing more about who he is and what he does in just a moment. But before we get started, as always, I'd like to ground us in the present moment. So we'll begin with a little bit of a meditation. If it's safe for you to do so, in other words, you're not operating heavy machinery or driving an automobile, I invite you to close your eyes and to place your right hand over your heart and your left hand over your right hand and just breathe into your heart center. And as you exhale, just release anything that might be holding you from this present moment, any worries or anxieties, anything that's weighing you down. And we'll take another deep inhale in. And on the exhale, just become fully present in this moment, which the Course in Miracles calls the holy instant. This holy instant is the only time when our linear time on this physical plane intersects with God's time. And we see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light grow larger and larger until now it fills the entire inner vision of our minds. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden which surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We see that the inside of the temple is lit as well with the same beautiful golden light. And here we are, for we have been called by the power and into the presence of God. We pray that God's Holy Spirit would uplift us beyond all fears, all illusions, all anxieties, all doubt, and deliver us to the peace that lay beyond this physical plane. We devote our time spent here today to God's Holy Spirit, and we ask that God would help us to be the men, the women, the people that God would have us be. And so it is together we all say, Amen. So, Ian Bly 
is a new friend um, who in some ways feels like someone I've known forever, um, which is what happens oftentimes when you meet somebody who is um, a kindred spirit. Uh, Ian and I met when we were participating together in a training for uh, transformational coaches, um, training uh, based on how to, how to build a coaching a practice, a coaching business. And um, immediately, uh, even before we met, we were communi- uh, engaging in the Slack channel and finding a lot of commonalities in the way we think about things. And so um, it's been really interesting to know him and to know about his work. So it's my pleasure to welcome you to the program, Ian. And if you would take a moment just to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the work you do, that would be great. And yes, finishing each other's sentences from the get-go is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've been... Uh, pretty much obsessed with spirituality and, and consciousness since I was about 15. I, I blame it all on Ram Das and uh, Be Here Now, which completely perverted me as a kid. And I've been chasing that down ever since, no matter what else I was doing in the real world. And so uh, it sort of morphed from doing a coaching before there was something called coaching way back in the early eighties and doing just trying to help people get out of their own way for business purposes. And it sort of morphed and morphed and morphed through the years. And I started researching all these ancient ways of looking at things and all these modern ways of looking at things and seeing lovely jewels in both areas. So I made a business out of cherry picking from thousands of different disciplines and putting things together to create my own system. And uh, my somewhat unfinished PhD in this is, as Jerome was saying, it's a multi-perspective consciousness concept. And it's using a system that I developed that is based primarily on a very ancient Sufi technique of uh, thinking about us all sitting around a circle by the beach. And depending on where you sit, you might see nothing but ocean. If you're sitting on the other side, you might see nothing but sand. And if you're sitting someplace else, you might see a little bit more sand, a little bit less ocean, etc., etc. So these are all different perspectives that we have based on where we're f- facing. And I thought to myself, geez, none of us are one way all the time. Like, when you are on top of the world, you see the world a certain way. And when the world is crumbling down on you, you see everything differently. So you can't be this one type of person. Nobody is this one type of person. So I said, I've got to figure out something that's dynamic and mobile and allows people to be all these different people that they are. And this is when I landed on ancient, ancient writings of the old Enneagram, which I really want to differentiate like dramatically from what people call the Enneagram, which is actually one Enneagram. It's the Enneagram of personality as interpreted by the psychological world and industry. So there's a huge interpretation, modern interpretation of it that has become kind of a parlor game. And it's very simplistic. 
you're a this, you're a that. Kind of like Myers-Briggs, you're a this, you're a that. Um, and the ancient ways of looking at it was, no, you're not a this or a that. You're a this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, hey, this makes a little more sense. So diving in there, I started working on, okay, how do we look at who we really are? Like, who are we really? From a standpoint of being not the bottle, but the wine inside. And so many of us walk around thinking that this is all we are, this uh, flesh bot walking mm. around in the world. Right. And yet, uh, especially as the universe decided to hand me lesson after lesson of beating the heck out of my vessel <laughs> and saying, okay, who are you now? You know, and anytime I tried to identify with myself as this physical being, my physical being would get hit by a car or something. It's like, okay, can't identify by that anymore. So um, more and more and more, this concept of us being, rather than thinking outside the box or inside the box, through the box, the box doesn't exist. And so that we are both the vessel and what's contained within, and it's all connected. And so um, that became the core of my quote unquote coaching practice was to first identify where you normally sit on that circle by the beach, how you see the world, how you view things, how you organize incoming information, what your stories are that you create from them. And then once I know that, I know exactly what the blind spots are and what the strengths are, the weaknesses are, the resources, on and on and on. And then I will go through basically a training program, just like a personal trainer at the gym. And we say, okay, this particular muscle group needs some work. So here are a bunch of exercises we'll do to strengthen that muscle group. And it's a mental muscle group or an emotional muscle group. Perfect example. Let me give you a real world example. One of my clients had a, uh, a stress reaction of going from being a very mind-centric planning type of person to being a very action-oriented, just shut up and do it kind of person. And that shut up and do it kind of person actually had a lot of heart in there, but it was being suppressed and repressed and suppressed and repressed. Well, it turned out that her partner, when stressed, got very, very emotional. So this was a huge clash for them. One would get very emotional. One would be in incredible suppression mode. Well, that ain't going to work. So we look at this suppression mode thing and found that it was all based on stories. If I let myself feel, then dot, 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 dot. We took apart all of that. And we showed her that, in fact, that part of her that was in the get-it-done mode was actually, in its essence, in its spiritual essence, pure love. Nothing but love. And so that what would happen if, when she got stressed out, she went to pure love? 
instead of going to get stuff done and suppress your feelings. Well, long story short, they're get, they're eloping next month. Oh wow! <laughs> all of, all of the trauma and the arguments and the fights dissipated because she was able to set, to recognize I'm about to run off this cliff, and I learned. I don't want to do that. I learned to turn right and run the other way. And that's, that's, it sounds crazy simple, but that's really all it comes down to is you learn how to recognize the pattern, the habit of saying, doing, acting, feeling something that doesn't serve us or anyone else and recognize it usually through some somatic practices that I work with people on so they can feel it in their body before they do it. Right. And then stop, do this other thing that we figured out actually serves and repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it until that gets wired into your brain as a myelinated habit. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this notion of multiple multi-perspective consciousness because I am somebody who, who loves the Myers-Briggs. Um, and so, um, and I don't know that I identify necessarily completely as, as my type, which is an INFJ. Um, but when I read the description, it really fits me. Um, I'm a four on the Enneagram. Um, so I'm, and I'm less familiar with that. That's something I've just recently discovered. Um, I, so I have a hard time wrapping my brain around this notion that I am different people in different scenarios. Try, try it out. Uh, put it on like a, like a, a like clothing. Yeah, I need help doing that because I don't, I, because I, and again, so then I'm even looking like, so some of the things that you're saying, um, like identifying so much with our body, um, of course, the Course in Miracles would say that the body is like a suit of clothing. It's not who we are at all. Exactly. Um, and that we get into a lot of problems spiritually and with in relationship when we identify as a body because we identify in identifying as a body we identify ourselves as being separate from everybody else when in fact there's only one of us here we're all connected um now i do understand like i do understand the idea of of taking different looking at things from different perspectives Mm -hmm. and understanding that i can show up in different ways and I never stop being who I am, you know, like I, you know, um, like for instance, I'm a, I'm very introverted. So there is a part of me, there's a side of myself that wants to retreat and be quiet and be alone. Then there's also a side of me that's very social and loves people and wants to engage. I show up in different ways as those different sides of myself, but I understand them still all to be me. Exactly. Um, and then there's a part of me that's highly creative and the musician who becomes somebody totally different when I sit down at my piano to play. 
I mean, that's, I experience myself in a different way. And I often say that that's when I experience myself as my most authentic self, because I stop, I sort of stop existing and all that exists is this music coming through me. Um, and then there's this sense that I have a very intuitively, a deep intuitive sense that just knows things. So I guess I kind of see it, but I don't know if I, is that sort of what you're talking about or am I oversimplifying it? Well, no, it's, it's, you're, you're totally on, on, on line with it. And um, if you are indeed a quote unquote four in, in my world, that would mean that you would actually be one, two, three, four, and five. All five of you. Okay. Uh, the original, the first time the Enneagram was written about, because it was an oral tradition in uh, going back thousands of years. A guy by the name of George I. Gurdjieff was the first guy to actually write about it. Okay. Around 1897, I believe. And um, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it's, it's something to the effect of when all five voices are in harmonic correspondence, you are the finished type of man. Now, what he's talking about, all five voices being in harmonic correspondence, means that you are aware of each of them as individuals, and you can combine in any way that you'd like to combine to get to serve the world the best. So for you, as a quote-unquote four, there is a part of you that is absolutely immersed in beauty, aesthetics, creativity, creation, expression. That's home base. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's another part of you that the more comfortable and confident you are, the more pushed towards thinking about things like social justice and honesty and integrity start to become much more important to you. So when something is being done wrong, it can really bug the you-know-what out of you. There's also another part of you that is absolutely devoted to being of service. That's its main thing in life is uh, how can I help? What can I do? How can I be of service? There's another part of you who loves to learn, loves to just soak in information and take in and, and eat it up and eat it up and, and become sort of a sage of, of sorts. And yet another Jerome who is almost a little bit of a nag saying, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. But also has a, a, another piece that says, I'd love to be doing this on stage. I want to perform. I want to do this in front of people. Now, these are five Jeromes. And they all live within you. And it's, I'm laughing because you have described me better than I think any other person ever has. I mean, because those are all very true statements about myself. And what's interesting is you talked about them as separate people. I experience them all as Jerome, yeah. right? Because they all live in me. So I don't see them as different parts of myself. But now as you're saying this, I'm sort of geeking out because I understanding those five different 
facets of myself. I can access any one of them at any given time, depending on what the moment needs. Like, and I do that, I think, very intuitively. Like, um, like, I just know, you know, you're talking about beauty and nature. I just know that then, like, oh, this is a moment. I need to be outside. I need to be, walk out with, take a walk with my dogs. I need to look at the trees. There are times when I'm just like, I can stare at the same tree for 30 minutes and just get wrapped up in this tree. It's sort of crazy at times, right? But I just like so, like just a sense of joy looking at that. Then there are times when I need to sit down with my journal and I'm writing and before long, I'm drawing a sketch. I'm drawing something and coloring it Mm -hmm. because there's that creativity that needs to come out. So... Wow, it's 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 pretty profound. It's, um, this is and so this is why, like, to be able to utilize a system like this, if I can, I, I start working with somebody on day one. It's like we've known each other for two years, and so we don't waste any time in the kind of the getting to know you part. It's a it's like lightning. It's warp speed, and we immediately get into, I'm not going to waste any time working on stuff that you don't need any help with. I mean, you're there. You don't need that. So mm-hmm. it, there's no cookie cutter kind of thing. Everybody gets the same thing. Um, and at the same time, knowing that there are specific aspects that those five of you can fall into, if you will, like, um, any okay the one part of you that is very attached if you will to things being done right that there's an, an honesty is it there is no no, no compromise from honesty mm-hmm. um social justice all of that sort of thing that part of you has a tendency to get angry it's it's surprise surprise hello that is a thing that is a it's a known quantity so i can i can lean on that if you will jerome like i can say a tiger has stripes i just know that's there that's something we're going to need to work on um likewise the uh the wise sage part can also be a bit scarcity minded at times Hmm. and you know it's all dark it's all going downhill it's all going to it has that tendency So I know who to work with and what to work on just by knowing that in advance. So it's so much more tailored, like a, you know, really nice fitting suit to be able to go at these pieces. And the um, objective of course, is to get them all communicating with one another. I know here's, this is great for anybody who can think mechanically. Otherwise, I don't know if it'll work, but okay. Jerome is a fuel pump. It's, it's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what we do is we take the fuel pump apart and these washers and these screws and these diaphragms and whatever, we shine them up, polish them up, lubricate them up, make sure everything is perfect. And then we put it back together again. Boom, now Jerome is unbelievably good. So it's taking you, take you apart, play with all the pieces, 
put all the pieces back together again, boom, super good. So that I have access to optimal results in, in everything because exactly. everything's been sort of, uh, you've, you've released the blocks and different aspects of, of my personality. So does everybody then have five pieces? Is that, five, is that common? Five inherent, you've got, they're all yours. Okay. And then the others are kind of like we pick up on a lot of stuff as we grow up. So, so you're saying that, and so you work from the Enneagram then, it seems. Well, the like. Enneagram is a piece. I would it's a piece of my, my system, which is actually called the Intagram right. versus the Enneagram, because it, it also works deeply with uh, Ken Wilber's integral consciousness work, okay. which has us uh, doing third dimension. Okay, the Enneagram that everybody shows is a flat thing. But mine is like a funnel cloud that expands as it rises. And it goes from a low frequency energy band of, ultra, uh, of uh, infrared, very, very slow and low, up through ultraviolet, very fast frequency, higher level frequency. Down low where it's red, it's very small. It's I, me, and mine. Mm-hmm. It grows to an us and a we, but there's still a them out there. And if it continues growing, it gets to all where it's oneness. And the color there is ultraviolet as, as, as high a, a frequency as we can go. And so red at the bottom, ultraviolet at the top. It almost sounds like the chakra system. Yes. I'm, I'm using what I did is I wanted to borrow from enough systems that uh, communicated with one another so that uh, a checker at Whole Foods or a biochemist or an engineer or, you know, uh, a truck driver could all understand it the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely using the, the frequency uh, bands that are used in chakras that are used in color theory mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, each level kind of, ex- it has a, a, a meme, if you will, associated with it, which reaches into something called spiral dynamics, but I'm not using spiral dynamics colors because they admitted in their own book that their colors that they chose were arbitrary, had nothing to do with anything. They were just what was in PowerPoint at the time. <laughs> so I wanted my colors to actually have some significance that would tell you something. And what happens is your five ping pong balls are in this vortex and they get pulled down by stress down towards, Oh my God, survival. I need mine. And in confidence, they're allowed to float up to a higher level where they're thinking about you and others and the, the crown chakra. Bingo. So it's very, very following along with all of these other uh, practices. Um, there's uh, hermeneutics involved in it. There's cognitive linguistics involved in it. There's spiral dynamics involved in it. Many, 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 many different disciplines. And uh, it allows each individual to have, if you actually do the math of the five and the nine levels and da da da, it works out to about. One million nine hundred and fifty-four thousand variables per person. 
So talk about not putting you in a box. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing how versatile you can be. So here, let's give you an example of other people who are your typology, and you'll see how different they are. Anne Rice, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Joni Mitchell, huh. and Bruce Lee. We're all fours. Okay. Interesting. And incredibly varied human beings. You could, you know, this is why putting somebody in a box and saying, oh, they're like that drove me crazy. And also you can see somewhat of a common thread. Yes. With those people. I'm Anne Rice, Joni Mitchell, Edgar Allan Poe, the yes. the um the artist, the writer, but a little melancholy, a little, you know, not, yeah. And I, I, I love, 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 love Enter the Dragon. There are so many beautiful spots that Bruce Lee put in um, when he's talking to one of his students and he's saying that he needs to have more emotional content, mm-hmm. more emotional content. And the guy tries anger and he says, not anger, feel you know, it's, not, it's a totally different animal. The feeling is in a different part of your body mm-hmm. than the anger is. And that's another thing. A lot of people call anger an emotion. And it's really not an emotion. It's a response. It's a response. It's a rea- well, not even a response. More of a reaction. Excellent. Yeah. It's a reaction to a lack of control. It's interesting because there's someone I know, uh, someone I'm very close to. <laughs> Huh. who angers the default. And I think it's a, I think in this person's um, way of being, it's the protection of feeling too much. So if he's afraid, he becomes angry. Mm-hmm. If he's sad, he becomes angry. It's always the default setting is anger. It's the only way that he shows up and I and you can talk about you know like past experiences in his growing up and I understand why it's that way I you know it's a go-to defense Jerome it's a Mm -hmm. go-to defense right you you named it um if I if I'm feeling too much I'm vulnerable if I show anger I seem Powerful. Powerful. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm scared, I seem vulnerable. So if I act angry, I seem powerful. And th- this is why I think it's so hysterical down in that red area where anger really lives. Mm-hmm. It's the same mentality or consciousness of a puffer fish blowing up. It's the same thing as a kitty cat fluffing up his tail and arching his back to look bigger. Right. Right. Same thing. We raise our voice and do this to get bigger. We're being right. pufferfish. They've got right. tiny little brains. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's, you know, I, I think, you know, the more I follow my spiritual path, I, the more I realize that the strength is in vulnerability. The strength is in surrender. The strength is in allowing yep. something bigger than I to flow through through me um yeah yeah my favorite uh uh 
articles I wrote a long time ago. It was about the, um, the a woman I was working with who was incredibly armored. In, I mean, she was just like, you know, chick, chick, chick on the metal. And um, so what I told her was that the gauntlet she was wearing would definitely protect her from the thorns, but she was never going to feel the velvety softness of the petals. Right. Like which is stronger, the ability. And, and so um, another friend of mine who I, I was just amazed, she's gay and she went to, um, oh my gosh, where is it? Uh, it's totally illegal. Um, begins with an S. It's in the uh, Far East. I'm having a total brain fart. Um, yikes. Mm. It'll, Singapore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so she went to Singapore and was doing talks about being out. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, she stands on the battlefield armed with nothing but an open heart. I can't think of anything braver. No, no. And if you think about the spiritual avatars who, who uh, modeled that, you know, um, that total surrender and that being the, the ultimate strength, the ultimate mm-hmm. rising, you know. Um, and what's so fascinating is, is you're talking about the work you're doing um, and, and this multiple um, perspective consciousness and the nine levels and that, it, the connectedness to every other spiritual path. Just, it blows my mind whenever I start to see these commonalities. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these, you know, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles and so much of what you've said um, resonates with that. It resonates with the system we mentioned chakras, you know, um, just even, you know, planetary is, is, you know, the solar system. There's just so much um, overlap and it just, it always gives me goosebumps and, and I geek out over the fact that, you know, these truths um, are so available to us and in, available to us in so many different forms. And, uh, and yet we, for whatever reason, can be, you know, so desensitized or blind to them. Um, yeah, there's yeah. A, I, I've, I've joked about it over the years, people, um, people saying, you know, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And I say, well, here, let me give you a life, a life preserver. And they say, don't you understand I'm drowning? And I'm like, yes, I know. That's why I'm giving you a life preserver. You're not listening to me. I'm drowning. And it's like, okay, <laughs> they're so locked into that. Uh, you know, this is what's happening and there's no anything else to get them out of it. And what's so remarkable is the thing that gets all of us out of it is already in us. Yeah. Like your work doesn't fix anybody. It's, Not at all. And you don't really do anything. You open the doors, you open the, their eyes so they can see what's already within them. Like you're teaching them to tap into their strengths in these different areas, right? Yes. That, they all, that, they, that they already have. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Uh, my, um, 
So my muse, um, or uh, it's interesting. I was uh, today also recorded a podcast with Janaea Barnes. Um, so listeners can go back and, and uh, um, listen to that. And, uh, and of course, you know, Janaea, cause we were all part of that same uh, coaching program. Uh, and we were talking about the same thing, you know, this, uh, um, this inner wisdom. And she, I had a session with her last night um, to kind of clear some worthiness things I'm working on um, in building my own practice. And, and uh, she's had me tap into that part of me that knows. And we were talking about that this morning, you know, that part of us that knows that we all have access to. So mm-hmm. I have named that part of me that knows Glenda, <laughs> which the good witch of the North, because I love the wizard of Oz. <laughs> and, and I did that. I did that. And then I remembered, you know, that she says to Dorothy, you always had the power to get back home. The power was always within you. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, I think the scarecrow says, but why didn't you tell her? And Glenda says, she went to believed me. She had to discover it for herself. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what this whole life is about, really. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's discovering this, in, this amazing power within us to overcome the messiness of this life. You know, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago, and I will probably repeat it a couple of times because it's so spot on with what you're talking about. It's called The Treasure Trove Within. Mm-hmm. And it's all about actually looking inside, opening up that big chest in the, in the attic and digging through and going, oh my God, I didn't know I had this. I didn't know I had this. Oh, wow, look at this. And um, that's really what, what the work is about, is accessing all of these things. And then remembering, like I said, if you've got, a, if you've got these five Jeromes, uh, there's... One can be like annoyingly nagging you, like get, you have all these things to do. You got to get these things done. You have all these, da, 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 da. and another part of you can say, you know what? I have a plan. I know exactly what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. So don't worry. I'm going to nibble away at this stuff and it's all going to get done. And that mm-hmm. way, one of you is soothing another one of you, which is what we call self soothing self-soothing right exactly what i'm aiming at for people is to have a kind of inner self-reliance where they can they can soothe themselves they can coach themselves they can have conversations with themselves to figure things out because it's it's a committee it's a board of directors right so a question because it occurs to me that we all have access to this and you're talking about the sufi tradition that's, you know, your work kind of is a jumping off, that's sort of a jumping off point. So there were cultures, there were civilizations where these things happen more frequently. Mm-hmm. The, the evolution of a person, the, the being able to, to overcome these things. Absolutely. And, and, and in this world, what is, what's the problem? Why do so many people walk around disconnected from their own spirit, from their own divinity, from why do so many people walk around just being shells of the people they could actually be? Cause I feel that that's sort of, you know, you and I, I think we do the work because it's like innate in us and we read the books and we listen to the meditations and why not, why not others? 
Well, there, it's interesting because some people have, have tried to um, devise a way of making it appealing to the masses kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And they do it in sneaky ways. Um, the Wachowskis have been doing a lot in this area. Believe it or not, The Matrix was actually based on the Enneagram because the primary concept of Sufism is to awaken from the illusion to the oneness. Sound familiar? Yes. Um, so that's the, that was the whole thing of take the red pill and awaken from this matrix that you think is life, but is really not life. They went really whole, whole hog at it with um, sense eight, uh, which was to actually take the individuals within you and make them be different people. Who are, I have not seen, but I need to yeah. see that because I've heard so exactly. much about it. So imagine, you know, you have, there's a Jerome who is, uh, who's a famous Christian singer. <laughs> there's a Jerome who is a surgeon. There is a Jerome who is a painter in Italy. There is a Jerome who is a bus driver in Nairobi. It's, and they're all completely linked telepathically and empathically. So they feel each other's feelings and think each other's thoughts and can borrow from one, each, one another's skill sets. So the way they do it is what we can do is when I need to grab a hold of my inner, uh, my inner general, I just say, oh, for this situation that I'm going into, I need my do it by the numbers and my general. I don't need my romantic artist. I don't need my super helper. I don't, you know, those can come way down in the mixer and bring these guys up for this meeting and then bring them back down. I'm going to go be creative now so I can crank those other guys up. And in Sense8, they did things like one of them jumps into a car and is about to take off and goes, oh my God, I don't know how to drive. And instantly the bus driver from Nairobi is in the driver's seat and says, I do. And they take off. So it's that kind of access, the other person within you and their resources in an instant. So um, why do we do not do this now? It's primarily a problem with a kind of a metastasized, unfortunately, cancer in the society that is completely driven towards consumerism. What that means is don't think, don't spend any time on anything. Go as fast as you can, not thinking. And so everybody is trying to do as much as they can without thinking fast, fast, fast. So they're not going to fix anything. They're going to buy a new one. Um, They're not going to fix a relationship. They're going to swipe and go for another one. They're not going to fix themselves. They're just going to move to a new place and say, you know, they're going to buy a new car. Everything is about buy something new, buy something new, fast, fast, fast. When in fact, we could sit in one place and be quiet and recognize that we're already loved. We don't Mm -hmm. need to chase it. Yeah. We're already here. We don't need to build it. Yeah. 
Neil Donald Walsh in uh, a call that I listened to, a, a webinar he did probably a month ago. It blew my socks off. And it was, I was hearing things I already sort of knew, but sometimes you hear them in a different way. And he said, we already came here evolved. You know, we're perfect, whole, and complete. There's nothing to do to get better. You don't have to get better at being you. You're already, you're already evolved. Uh, and he, it was like three, three um, kind of three uh, important spiritual laws. And then there was one, he's like, nothing's ever gone wrong. Like the circumstance of your, uh, circumstances of your life, uh, you know, they've, they aren't wrong. They've never gone wrong. You know, stuff shows up. Um, and he suggested, it was kind of interesting, he, he suggested that even the challenges that we experience, we attracted them to us because they were the exact right circumstances that would force us to stand in our power to take us to the next level of, of sort of our spiritual evolution. You know, and, and uh, it just, it was just really profound. Um, and you're, so just this notion of, you know, that we could just be quiet. We could just, you know, uh, just to tap into these things. And yeah, there's, and that would be interesting. The, the, um, it was actually kind of an advanced way of thinking thousands of years ago when the Sufis were developing this, that they were actually looking at the concept of, uh, what we now call birth trauma. Mm -hmm. And, um, that our, our first thoughts, if you will, are, Oh my God, what did I do wrong? <laughs> okay, because we were in heaven. Right. We, didn't, we didn't need to breathe for ourselves. We didn't need to eat for ourselves. It was climate controlled. Everything was perfect. And suddenly we're ripped away. And we're in this cold, bright white place. And we're getting smacked on the behind. And we've got to breathe. And oh my God. And so... This is like really a freaking out thing to have happened to go from absolute bliss to stark terror. And um, in those moments, we start forming an awful lot very, very quickly. Right. And so what the Sufis looked at is what if we could map what we landed on between, say, age zero and three, four, five years old, we landed on, I bet this is the thing I did wrong. And they land, and that's where they came up with their original nine uh, lenses. So I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not valuable. Um, there's something wrong with me, broken, missing, different about me, but that's kind of cool because I'm unique. Um, there wasn't enough to go around. I wasn't paying enough attention. I wasn't vigilant enough and I fell through a hole. I didn't have a plan. And finally, I wasn't tough enough. 
And then we spend the rest of our life, that's the seed. And then we spend the rest of our life wrapping a personality and a character around compensating for that perceived hole, that perceived wrongness. When there was no wrongness. Right. So the, um, the belief that um, I, I, I'm not enough is very vague. So you'll find that the nines who have the I'm not enough tend to go every which way trying to be more. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to be more of. Do I talk more? Do I create more? Do I write books? Do I, you know, what do I do to be more? A lot of them eat a lot and actually become kind of heavy to be more because there's no real connection to what that meant. And it wasn't that you got kicked out. That's the problem. We were not rejected. We were not thrown out because there's something wrong with us. That's our misperception. Right. Right. So whatever that little kernel is, it's the illusion. So our entire identity, for better or for worse, is wrapped around an illusion. And that's what what Thich Nhat Hanh calls the, the illusion of separateness. That we are here to awaken from the illusion of our separateness. Right. Um, so it's, it's uh, like I said, this is thousands and thousands of years old to, to look at things from this angle. And what was really miraculous about this figure that they drew in the sand with a stick was they figured out the dynamics of stress and confidence. And that's what created... Initially, it's a triangle that's the, that symbolizes non-duality. That there, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. the solid, liquid, and gas, heart, brain, and body. Like every, threes, 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 threes. Body, know. mind, spirit. Exactly. You go out and look at plants, you know, look at the Fibonacci leaves coming out in, the, in threes, like Everything was happening in, in these groupings. So that's why they used a triangle. And um, that triangle was in a mandala of oneness. And then they wrapped what's called the sacred seven around the triangle. And the sacred seven is about evolution, movement, shift, and transformation in the natural world. So there is an enneagram of water going through ice and water and evaporation into gas, um, precipitation, condensation, et cetera, et cetera. There is an Enneagram of music and scale tones. Mm-hmm. There's an uh, Enneagram of digestion. You know, there's so many of them that to just think the Enneagram of personality, I blame it all on Helen Palmer because her book is called The Enneagram. <laughs> and if only she'd called it and, and, and yeah, yeah. I would, I'd have no argument whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the street. No, it's a street. There's a lot of them. <laughs> but isn't that the way we are in so many ways as humans is we, we think there is only, you know, and you and I've had this conversation before about Christianity, right? Like we often, you know, Christians think that that, is the only way, you know? And of course, there are multiple ways. 
right? Mm-hmm. You know, but whatever it is that we sort of find that works for us, we sort of like this is it, you know. Yeah, if we go to the ba- drill down to the basics because so much stuff is all over the top. Yes, and it's just covering up the basics, and that's kind of like us. I, I when I, I'm first talking to a new client, I have them visualize a beautiful brass bed at a dinner party. And what does everybody do at the dinner party? They come in and they throw their coat on the bed. And after a while, there are so many coats that you don't see that bed anymore. You just see this big pile of coats. And that's mostly what we see when we look at each other. We don't see that beautiful brass bed that's down inside underneath there. And people forget that that's who they are. They look in the mirror and they see all the coats. Right, right, absolutely. And, and, and so it's just like, you know what we're going to do? And to, to your point that you said earlier, it's not about making you be a, a different person. It's about taking off all the coats that are covering up who you really are. Right, right. And identity becomes so much about how we perceive what others think of us, mm. too. Right. I mean, identity is a construct. So, it, and it starts developing from our re- interaction with parents and then teachers and friends and, and then the, the stuff we tell ourselves. And so there is, I mean, I think there's probably, there's foundational personality under mm-hmm. there, but then there's all, you know, you talk a lot of, in your work about, you know, you said that the stories that we tell ourselves, which become part of our identity and they, may or may not even be true, right? I mean, Did you ever see a cross-section of a golf ball? Yes, I have. Yeah, I've, yeah. So, you know, there's the little rubber ball in the middle. Right, yep. That's who you really are. Right. And then the rubber bands wrapped around that, right. which is a personality and character and all that stuff. And then there's the plastic coating on the outside that everybody sees which is impenetrable in so many ways. Right. There, there's our armor. So we're a lot like that. And so that's yeah. a, a, a big part of saying, you know, you're not the plastic outer coating. Right. Who are you really? And so one of the exercises that every, no matter what typology they are, every client does do this one thing. I still do it myself. Um, there's a, a, a journaling technique that I've put together. It's called the Essential 10 Minutes. And it, it uses a bunch of different steps to lead into one another and give you continuity that do a whole bunch of really interesting things around knowing self, embodying that, creating a future, reverse engineering how to do it, incorporating gratitude and then expression. It's like doop, 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 doop. It's really, really fun. And where it always has to start, Jerome, is our values. What we think, who we are, I'm this guy who, and then I jump into a story. No, 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 no. All the reason I do those things, why, 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 why? It's going to come back to my values. And if I can say, These are the things that are really important to me. And this is how I will embody those things. 
And if I am embodying those things and that's who I am, what kind of future does that me want? And if it looks like this, what do I need to do? And what it does is it keeps you completely in your integrity, in your values, in your planning, in your goals, and it makes everything lead to a vanishing point instead of being all over the map like those dream boards where it's like, I want all (laughs) these things all over the place. Right, Um, right. And your brain just does the same thing, goes all over the place. You need like a point to focus on. So uh, getting into this place of who we are, it's always going to be your values, um, the three things you have control over. There are three things we have control over, nothing else. Our values, our motivations, our responses. Other than that, the best we can hope for is influence. Right. But control, it's all inside the skin. (laughs) Wow. So much food for thought, Ian. (laughs) Um, So it's almost time for us to wrap up. Um, I feel like I could talk with you forever and we might have to do this again. Uh, (laughs) Before we end though, I want to um, ask you just some very quick questions that I stole from Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) She won't mind. No. So fill in the blank. The world needs. Empathy. I believe in. Love. Love is. God. (laughs) Okay. I am grateful for being alive and able to soak in this amazing life. What is the soul? The vibrational, energetic fabric of the universe. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, Ian. We're going to wrap up with a, a poem uh, from uh, Marina Wiederker in her book, Seasons of Your Heart. But before we do that, please tell the listeners how they can reach out to you and get in touch with you if they are interested in working with you. Absolutely. Um, I'm like ridiculously all over the web. So there's a number of ways. Easiest way is just Google my name for one thing. I A N. B is in boy, L-E-I. That's probably the easiest way to find everything. Um, Optimized Results is the name of my company. So you could Google that. I have multiple websites. I have hundreds of articles out there. I've got podcasts on SoundCloud. I've got articles on LinkedIn. It's really easy to find me. Okay, very good. Uh, Thank you again. And um, just to wrap up, um, I'm going to read, and I think it's going to fit. Um, I think it's going to fit quite nicely. So this is from the book Seasons of Your Heart, which I love. um, And uh, it's by Macrina Wiederker, who is a Benedictine sister. And she writes beautifully. And so uh, we'll end with this. I stand on the edge of myself and wonder, where is home? Oh, where is the place where beauty will last? When will I be safe and where? My tourist heart is wearing me out. I'm so tired of seeking for treasures that tarnish. How much longer, Lord? Oh, which way is home? My luggage is heavy. It is weighing me down. I am hungry.
for the holy ground of home. Then suddenly overpowering me with truth, a voice within me gently says, there is a power in you, a truth in you that has not yet been tapped. You are blinded with a blindness that is deep for you've not loved the pilgrim in you yet. There is a road that runs straight from your heart. Walk on it. To be a pilgrim means to move, to be on the move slowly, to notice your luggage become lighter, to be seeking for treasures that do not rust, to be comfortable with your heart's questions, to be moving toward the holy ground of home with empty hands and bare feet. And yet, you cannot reach that home until you've loved the pilgrim in you. One must be comfortable with pilgrimhood before one's feet can, be, can touch the homeland. Do you want to go home? There's a road that runs straight through your heart. Walk on it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I chose that before our conversation, and it just seemed to fit. <laughs> so... And just to give you personally something to, to uh, walk away with on the side of, we, we talked a little bit about those five of you. Yes. Each has their own essence. And when we move the opposite direction of egoic need to be different, our essence is connected to the oneness. So it's a very different feel. Mm -hmm. So your five essences are serenity, compassion and kindness, pure love, equanimity, and peace. Oh, wow. That's the real Jerome inside. Thank you for that. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to to accept that and just... um... Try to embody it. Ian, thank you again so much for your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening and find a way to celebrate the pilgrim in you today. Bye-bye.